I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Is America failing? Well, yeah, but there are three things that you can do to save it. So stick around and I'll tell you exactly what you can do to make an impact in your personal lives and in the communities in which you live. Welcome to another episode of Straight Talk. I am your host, Jason Brunt. And in today's episode, we are going to be making just a couple of changes. We're not only going to be exposing this ridiculous radical left and their campaign to destroy America's fundamental values, but we're also going to be providing solutions on how we can take immediate action to protect ourselves from the evil that is growing like a weed in our communities and homes. For the first time ever, I am going to share with you my personal story on who I am and how I got where I am at today. And also, we have been called out for comparing some aspects of Nazi Germany to the woke progressive movement. So today, I am going to show you some terrifying examples of not only how this movement is just mildly comparable, but almost identical to the Hitler Youth Program. And later on in this episode, we will be joined by Michelle Mandarin, who is running for superintendent of Pasco County Schools, and she is going to share her amazing insights and solutions to bring the corruption in our educational systems to a screeching halt. You are not going to want to miss any of today's episode, so stick around until the end, and you will not be sorry. But first, a message from Big Brother. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent or are affiliated with. Well, welcome back. So, who the heck am I? Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why do I go to school boards all the time? Wouldn't I just be a lot happier if I had just shut my darn mouth, sat in my back porch, went fishing, and just enjoyed the normal Florida lifestyle? Maybe. But I didn't have a choice. Let me tell you a little bit of a story. I'll give the abridged version. When I was nine years old, there was a terrible tragedy that happened to my parents. My mother unfortunately passed away. My father was unable to take care of us for a number of years. Now, we were looking at foster care. But my aunt, who had lived in Massachusetts at the time, independent, single woman in her 30s, decided to give it all up, move down to New Jersey, and become a full-time parent of two children and also a trauma counselor. Now, obviously, as we all know, raising children, especially if you have no experience with it, it's difficult. Now, add on top of that, two children that are completely traumatized from an event that had recently happened in their lives, it was a little overwhelming. So my grandmother decided to step in, but it wasn't so easy for her. She was married to a successful curmudgeon who hated children, and especially us, and did not want the drama. So he said, not going to happen, not going to happen. You want to be with those kids? You can't be with me. So my grandmother separated from her husband. She went from a very nice, wealthy house in Mendham, New Jersey, to a little dinky apartment in Randolph, New Jersey, and worked two jobs so that way she could support my brother and myself. She put me through Catholic school. That didn't turn out so well. That's a whole nother story. Brought us to church and started teaching us the values that she was raised with. And I love my father to death, but I'm a little bit thankful to God that I was raised by a generation previously because I've got some pretty good morals and pretty good values out of it. And the reason I'm telling you about my grandmother and my aunt is because that's kind of a prequel to some of the decisions that I had to make later in life. So as I aged into adulthood, joined the military and got out of the military, a young, dumb, stupid guy decided it would be a really cool idea to get a job in the adult entertainment industry. So I got a job as a DJ at a gentleman's club. And I did that for a good number of years. Actually ended up becoming voted the number one DJ on the East Coast in the adult entertainment magazine. Now, I'm not saying that as a, a staple point of pride because I'm quite shamed that that actually happened, but it was a memory 
and it was part of my life, and it got me to where I'm at today, so I don't regret it. After DJing, I moved up to general manager, and I ended up general managing many different clubs all up and down the East Coast, and the last one was out there in Alabama. During my time in the clubs, of course, I had met some interesting individuals, and I had gotten involved with a woman, which was probably some pretty bad news. And although I knew it at the time, young, dumb, and you know the rest of that one. Well, two good things came out of that relationship, and that was my daughter and my son, two of the most amazing children that I have ever known and with some of the most solid hearts that you will ever, ever see. But the wife and I didn't work out and we had gotten through the divorce. And unfortunately, if you've ever been through a custody situation, many of you know the court systems are typically pretty biased towards women and against the men. So in the initial court date, I didn't get the full custody. I only got the visitation side of it. Well, I knew that wasn't going to last long. And true as I'm sitting here today, drugs took a hold of her and she started becoming a really, really terrible, neglectful and abusive parent. I saw this happening, tried to petition through courts. We called the child services. Nothing was done because again, side with the woman over the man. Well, things got pretty extreme and I needed to take it to the next level. But when you need to get an attorney, it gets really expensive. And not only did she have representation, because her parents helped provide attorneys, but the significant other that she was with, that they had had a child together now, also had representation and did not want me separating the families. Well, it wasn't a good environment and it needed to be done, but I couldn't afford an attorney. So what did I do? Well, I looked back to my grandmother's advice and I began to pray again. And with the power of faith and the power of God, I went to a library. I started studying case law of cases similar to mine in that state and surrounding states. I went online. I did as much research as I possibly could. I walked into that courtroom. I spent every last dollar that I had on a nice suit so I could look the part. And I went up against both of those attorneys and I walked out of that courtroom with custody of both of my children. And it wasn't because I had a choice. It was because it was my duty. And my grandmother and my aunt had showed me that is that when you need to step up, it is time to step up. So I took my children and we moved down here to Florida. I got a job, not in that industry. And I put myself back in college. And here we are about 15 years later. I'm now college degree. I had used to have a really good job until radical leftists had me fired from speaking at a school board. But the reason why I'm here, the reason why I am who I am, and the reason why I'm fighting so hard for my children today is because I've never stopped and I never will. My children's safety and security and development is paramount to all other things. I will never give up fighting for my kids. Little did I think that after I got custody of both of my children, advanced my life as much as I had, that I would be set back to square one because of a three-minute speech at a school board after my son got harassed by a group of children that's considered a protected class. Ladies and gentlemen, there should be no protected classes, and if you're going to create an environment that puts my child in the back of the line, I'm coming after you. So if you want to know why I'm so passionate about what I do, it's because you leave kids alone, let them grow up, let them be safe, and allow them the security that we are entitled to provide them as parents, educators, and administrators. So when I see this wild circus being infiltrated into the school systems, it's time to fight back. Now, I was never really too religious. Growing up religious... I took a breather, and recently I started praying 10 years or so ago. I started praying for God to help me get where I was at. Well, once I started taking on the woke monster, the evil that is the progressive liberal party, the devil started hitting me again. They got me fired from my job. They've attacked me at the home. Not physically. They'd be too stupid to try that. I've had dog crap thrown on my house. They've threatened homosexual rape on my children, all because I didn't even say, I want you shut down. I just wanted equal celebration, and the attack came. So I've been getting a little heavier in prayer, and when I told you earlier in the show that things were going to change up a little bit moving forward, 
Because if I don't start giving credit to the man that made me who I am, to God, who gave me the opportunity to become the father that I am, and the, uh, the role model that I have to be, then I have nothing at all. And I just want to tell you a quick story about this church I go to. I go to Northport, a uh, church called Foundation Church. The pastor is Tom Lipley, one of the most inspirational men that I have ever heard. Began listening to his podcast and then decided to start going to his church. This guy is one of the most admirable men that I have ever met. He's tough as nails, former 25-year servant for the Sarasota Sheriff's Department. Admits he was chief among sinners. For 50 years and only in the past five years has he really found his redemption. This man inspired me. But there was always one thing about this church I found a little weird. It's a Pentecostal church. If you've ever been to one of those types of church, there's a couple of things that happen um, towards the end of those services that I wasn't sure I was willing to accept. And that would be, you know, when the pastor comes down and prays with you and the people just fall on down. Yeah, I loved every single minute of his service up until that. And I, I got to be honest with you. I would sit there and look and be like, man, that is a total load of horse crap. How could somebody I admire so much, somebody that brings to the table so much valuable information, somebody that has been right pretty much every single step of the way, and somebody that is not afraid to call me out 100% of the time when he's standing there on that pulpit and, and make me accountable for my sins that I just try to pretend to ignore, how could somebody I admire so much go through this type of a charade at the end of his service? I mean, just why? Why fake it, right? Well, this past Sunday, something happened. But before I get into that, I want to revisit a story I've told in the past about going to the gym. So there was one time a little while ago that I went to the gym. You know, not like I never go. I just I have home gym and I obviously don't go that much. I wanted to get into it, right? So I go out to the gym and I'm hitting up a couple of the machines and I get on this one machine for the traps, you know, and I'm sitting on this machine and it's a little awkward. I get there and I'm moving around. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I do my reps, right? I get up off the machine. I go over to this treadmill and I'm standing on this treadmill. I'm walking on this treadmill. I see a guy a little smaller than me head on over to the same machine that I was just at. He hops on the machine and he starts using it. And I'm sitting there on the treadmill looking over at him like, what an idiot. This guy's using it backwards. Can you believe this? And I'm laughing to him in my head. I'm like, man, this is ridiculous. I can't believe this guy's doing that. He gets up. He walks away. I'm like, whatever. Second guy walks on up there. Skinnier guy. You know, nothing, nothing too impressive. He sits on it backwards, too. I'm watching this guy use it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, this is what the idiots do. The one idiot sees the other idiot. And everybody just starts being idiots. I got a room full of idiots here using this machine the wrong way. He gets off the machine. He walks away. Well, the next guy comes up. This guy's, he is the gym. This guy's built like a brick house. He sits down on that machine backwards, and that's when I said to myself, oh, crap. He's not sitting on it backwards. In fact, none of these people are idiots. I'm the idiot. The reason I tell you that gym story is because this past Sunday when I was at church, I started thinking about that story. Out of the blue. And the pastor called for the altar call. So I looked at my little brother who comes to church with me. And I say, you know what? Maybe I'm the idiot. So let me go back up there. And I'd been up there one time before, but the entire time I'm standing there, I'm thinking to myself, this is a load of crap, but hopefully it proves me wrong. Wrong mindset. This last Sunday, I went up there. And ladies and gentlemen, if you know me, I'm not a punk. And this is something that nobody would ever expect me to say but i gotta be honest and i gotta tell you i started feeling a little nervous when i was standing there and i was praying to god and i was saying god just take over take over 100 percent. and i gave myself completely i started feeling nervous a little anxious first off i hate the word anxious and i don't ever get nervous i was air rescuing the navy i jump out of planes for a hobby i speak in public I never get nervous, but I started shaking. Not, not like a seizure, but no, nervous. Like I was, I was anxious. I was like, this is an awkward feeling. I kept praying. And when the pastor came on over me and he prayed with me, 
I want to say like, like it was, it was kind of like convulsing. It wasn't convulsing. You know, when you get really emotional and you just break down and cry, you're like, well, I started crying. I don't cry guys. I don't cry, but I did. And my knees gave out and I dropped down to my knee and I felt stoned. I felt like back in high school when I'd smoked a joint, my head was clouded and it was just this euphoric feeling. And I'm not making this up, I promise you. I promise you on everything, I'm not making this up. What happened to me this last weekend was I thought I had found God, but this past Sunday, God found me. And the reason I'm telling you this, ladies and gentlemen, is because that is the number one thing that we can do to begin saving this country is to bring God back. God is the most powerful force on this earth and in the entire universe. If we continue to go down the path where we are taking God out of the institutions and out of our communities, we are doomed to failure without a doubt. So ladies and gentlemen, if my testimony can be of anything, look at me. I'm not your little Bible bumping preacher guy. I'm a tattooed punk who turned his life around. But when I tell you God came into me, I mean, that was such a wild experience. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are not good with God, now is the time to do it. Get your children right with God. Bring them to church. If you are anywhere near Northport, come to Foundation Church. I promise you there is no other church like it. It's a church in Tampa called the River Church. Personally, I've never been there, but I have listened to Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, and he espouses similar preaching as Tom Liapoli. But ladies and gentlemen, that's number one. Get to church, get right with God to save this country. So what is the second thing that you can do to help save America outside of going to church and finding God, which is number one? Well, quite simple. Start calling the BS out. If you see something, say something. These people have gone rogue, and everybody is so afraid to say anything about it because I might lose some dopamine, and I might lose a Facebook friend, or I might lose a job. Who cares? Lose your job. Now is the time. Get it together. Speak out. If you lose your job, there's other jobs. If you have the faith in God, he is going to provide, but you start calling it out. Speaking of calling it out, check this garbage out. All right, so this is going to be off Breitbart News at Breitbart.com. You'll find a similar article over there at the Gateway Pundit, but we always give the Gateway Pundit some pretty good credit, so we want to go ahead and give Breitbart a little bit as well. Trans cyclists take gold and silver medals at Chicago Women's Bicycle Race. A pair of male-born transgender cyclists took the two top spots in the women's category at Chicago's Cyclocross Cup Bicycle Race, sparking accusations of unfair competition. Tessa Johnson, 25 years old, won first place in the women's single speed, and Evelyn Williamson, 30 years old, placed second in the October 7th event, according to the Daily Mail. As the two male-born racers stood on the podium, the third-place winner, Allison Zmuda, was the only actual woman in the winner's presentation after the event was held in Chicago's Jackson Park. The single-speed event was not the only category that Johnson took from a female competitor. Johnson also won first place in the women's cat half, winning $150 in pride money, and Williamson also won fourth place in the cat half, winning a $75 prize. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're just listening, I suggest you switch over to the video just to take a peek at this or check the links in the description to find this, but... These are dudes. These are so obviously dudes. Over here on the picture of the right, you got these two dudes standing there. I mean, they look like dropouts from a Motley Crue concert. This one guy's got a bulge. Both of these dudes got bulges that are, they're swinging so many twig and berries. It's like a forest. Their legs are twice the size of any female competitor. They're twice the height. And then in this picture on this left, this dude over here, is holding a loaf of bread over his head. If that doesn't say mental illness, what the heck does? Ladies and gentlemen, this is disturbing. Not only is it disturbing, but it's not fair to women. Women train for years to be able to compete in these competitions. 
For generations, women have been fighting for equal rights. They finally got it, and then within a blink of an eye, men are pooping all over it. This is not fair. This is not equity. This is not inclusion. This is glorification of mental illness, and you are putting women into the back seat again and taking their accomplishments, taking their prizes. In the case of Leah Thomas, taking their scholarships. This is wrong. This is not enabling. This is not affirming. This is wrong, and it needs to stop. And that's what we're going to keep doing is calling this BS out. Every week, there is more and more and more stories coming out. And ladies and gentlemen, if you do not start speaking out against it, you're in a bad, bad spot. Which brings us to the third thing that you can do to stop the lunacy. And that is speaking with your money. Not buying tickets to the concerts that promote this garbage. Not buying tickets to the sporting events that are promoting this garbage. Not buying the movie tickets to the movies that have this trash in it. If you're still paying for Netflix, you better cancel it. If you've got a Disney Plus subscription, after you're done punching yourself in the face, cancel the subscription. We need to start speaking with our money because when you do, it starts working. We saw that with Bud Light. We saw that with Target. And then check this out. This one is on alphanews.org. NHL expands ban on LGBT pride gear to include hockey stick tape. The move by the NHL follows league policy changes earlier this year, restricting the use of rainbow-colored pride jerseys after backlash from players who refused to wear the LGBT-promoting apparel. The National Hockey League has come under fire from LGBT groups in corporate media for banning pride tape used to wrap hockey sticks during official games, warm-ups, and practices during the 2023 and 2024 season. The move by the NHL follows league policy changes earlier this year restricting the use of rainbow-colored pride jerseys and pregame specialty warm-up sweaters after backlash from players who refused to wear the LGBT-promoting apparel. The change is part of a much larger policy reversal announced in a memo last week affecting what is permissible not only at Pride Nights, but at Black History Nights, Hockey Fights, Cancer Nights, and Military Appreciation Nights as well. The memo sent to every NHL team stated in part, players should not be put in the position of having to demonstrate or where they may be appearing to demonstrate personal support for any special initiatives. A factor that may be considered in this regard includes, for example, whether a player or players is required to be in close proximity to any groups or individuals visibly or otherwise clearly associated with such special initiatives. The article goes on and on and on. Link will be in the description. Well, The players started speaking out. They're not having it. The fans stopped buying tickets. They weren't having it. That brings us to the number three thing that you can do to stop this garbage. Stop spending your money on it and start speaking out about it. If you have a Netflix subscription, you're an idiot. Cancel Netflix. If you have a Disney Plus subscription, punch yourself in the face. You're an idiot. Cancel Disney Plus. Start speaking with your money. It works. We saw it happen with Bud Light. We saw it happen with Target. We saw it happen with Kohl's. The NHL is starting to turn around. We can turn the ship around, but it's going to take each and every one of you to do it. Well, where have we seen symbols and ideology forced into sports when not everybody was on board with that? I think there was the Berlin Olympics in 1936 when there were swastikas adorned everywhere and not everybody was on board with that. Well, what happens when you let something like that go unchecked? Well, that brings us into our next segment. So I've been criticized quite fervently about comparing the new LGBTQIA2S+, I believe is where we're at, movement to the Nazi youth. So I want to put a chart up on the screen for you real quick here. All right, so before I go into this chart that I just put up on the screen, I want to be very clear. I'm not comparing any specific person from the LGBTQIA plus movement to an actual Nazi or an SS soldier. 
What I am, though, comparing is some of the ideas and strategies that were used and the tactics that they used to indoctrinate their children. Now, before I get into this, I want to read you a small passage from a book written by Adolf Hitler himself called Mein Kampf. And it is worth noting that the struggle for the culture was waged perhaps in its bitterest form around the school, because this was the nursery where the seeds had to be watered, which were to spring up and form future generations. The tactical objective of the fight was winning over of the child, and it was to the child that the first rallying cry was addressed. Well, ladies and gentlemen, check this out. There's some similarities here, because before the Nazi party came into play, and it just started becoming the Nazi youth that was put into the school systems, about two percent of the children identified as part of that party as it started progressing in 1922 started advancing you started seeing a slow increase in the amount of people that were starting to identify with this group so if we look at the beginning in america of the lgb movement in the schools because back in the day it was just lgb it started progressing and as we progressed through time we also went from about two percent to 5% around the beginning of that indoctrination time. This was accomplished by using media, by using art, by using music, by introducing flags for the Nazi party into the classroom, and by making teachers take training so that way they could be more inclusive of Nazi ideology. Now, this is exceptionally comparable to the LGBT plus QIA movement here in America because we went from 2%. Then it started being brought in the classrooms. In a short period thereafter, at the beginning of the indoctrination, we're sitting around 4%, just under that 5% from the Nazi ideology. And then here's the big kicker. After about 10 years, 1922 to 1933 Germany, when Hitler took charge, and this can be comparable from the Obama to the now Biden administration, how he went from trans bathrooms, trans inclusion, and pride flags in the classrooms, mandatory DEI training for teachers to be more inclusive for the LGBTQ plus community. Well, look at this here. After about 10 years, we went up to a striking 10%. Now, these are completely in line with one another here. So by indoctrinating the children, by making the teachers on board with it, by shaming kids that are not part of the ideology, and in many cases, docking their grades, hmm, same thing happening now, we went from 2% to 10% in a very short amount of time. Now, here's where it gets scary. So after the political majority had had established itself, much like the Biden regime has established itself in this movement, it went up to a striking 30% for the Nazi youth, and we are currently here in America with the LGBTQ movement, 20% of Gen Z now identifies as one of those random letters that are in the alphabet. Now, we've broken this down before in a couple of different podcasts on how some of that is even it's strategically manipulative. A uh, majority of those people identify as bi, and they only identify as bi because they just want to pass. They just want to not be harassed by their teachers or assaulted by other students and ignored when that happens. This is the same exact thing that happened in Nazi Germany. They made their teachers go to mandatory classes over the summers and on their off time to where they could learn about the Nazi ideology, and then they could include that in their lessons and their curricula for their children. This is the same thing that we are seeing with our teachers now that need to take mandatory DEI training, so that way they're indoctrinating their children into this mental illness circus. Now, both of these things are bad. The Nazi youth was bad. And the LGBTQ plus movement in our schools is also bad. They're using the same strategies, the flags, replacing the American flag with the trans flag, just like they did with the German flag and the swastika flag. This is comparable. And if you don't see it, I'm sorry, but you got a couple brain cells missing. We see this with corporate America. We see this now in our communities. Back in the day, IBM, Volkswagen, Hugo Boss and a litany of other companies all started changing their logos to have swastikas into them. Kind of like we see what happens in June when all our countries or all our companies change their logos to have the rainbows in them. We are seeing indoctrination. And no, no, this is not leading us into mass exterminations and everything else of that nature. Or maybe, I don't know, what's going to happen. Our kids are already being chastised by their teachers. Their grades are being suffered. And if you speak out against this agenda, 
they go after your job and they try to take everything away from you and destroy your family. Ladies and gentlemen, this is 1931 Germany. We're here and it's now. We need to put the brakes on this. And I know, well, you know, we're not actually sitting there. We're not doing Nazi thing. No, you are using propaganda tactics. And this happened in Mussolini's Italy. It happened in Mao's China. And I use the Nazi reference because all of you creepy, freaky leftists constantly point the finger at us and say Nazis. But if you look at the actual behaviors and the actual propaganda strategies that were used in Nazi Germany, here's a mirror. You're looking at yourself. I'm not going to keep harping on this Nazi thing, but ladies and gentlemen, this is very comparable. It is the human psyche. It is how to manipulate people, and it starts with the children. The older generation is not going to buy it. The older generation is not going to believe that a man can just become a woman because he snaps his fingers and throws on some lipstick. That doesn't happen. But the newer generation, they're being told it can happen. And you're insensitive if you don't think so. You're indoctrinating our kids. And you're putting them in a really, really, really dangerous situation as we move forward in this world. Most of these countries outside of the West, they're not on board with this. And if we ever do get into a huge World War situation, it's not going to be making us look pretty. Our military can't even recruit people. They're dying to recruit people. They discharged 8,000 people because of that creepy vaccine, and only 43 of them came back. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in dire straits. So how do we stop it? Well, I gave you the three rules. One, get your rear end of church. Get your family involved in God. Two, start calling out all of the BS that you see. If you work for an employer who has an, a, high, a now hiring ad, the, the Sunseeker Resort down here in Charlotte County just put an ad up not too long ago saying, uh, we're an equal opportunity employer. We highly encourage people of color, women, people with disabilities, and LGBTQIA plus people to apply. What about straight white people? Oh, now they're discouraged to apply. Or our application will be put on the bottom of that stack. That's racist. That's absolutely abhorrent but these are what these companies are doing now is if you're not part of this little select groups that we choose you're the bad guy and that's what they're going to do they're going to start turning us regular folks with traditional values us christians us people of faith from other religions they're going to start turning the tables and saying you're disgusting you're filthy you need to be eradicated we need to send you to a re-education camp i mean crap we saw it with covid Right? If you didn't subscribe to the ideology, you saw Australia, they had COVID camps. How the heck is that any different? If you don't see what's going on here, you're blind. And unfortunately, a lot of people want to be. They don't want to realize the truth. My goodness, out of control. Well, guys and girls, great people at Florida Straits are at it again. Before I show you their next clip of the week, if you want to support an excellent organization that puts every single one of their dollars into the cause and pays no salary, somebody that supports and sponsors this show, you can check out www.floridastraits.com. They are the country's only nonprofit organization dedicated to preserving those traditional values that we've been talking about. They are on the forefront of this war, and we've gone over it a hundred different times. So check them out, www.floridastraits.com, if you want to support an excellent organization. Organization. Before I play their video, if you want to support this podcast directly, check out the links in the description. You can find our locals page, you can find our Patreons page, or you can send us some money directly. I take absolutely no salary. Everything goes into producing this and getting it out and advertising it and spreading it across the country. But if you really want a sweet way to support this podcast, Check this out. MakeHoneyGreatAgain.com. You're going to use promo code STRAIGHT and you can get your hands on some of the best honey on the market. Made in South Carolina, right here in the United States of America. It goes straight from bee to bottle and it is supporting their local employment in South Carolina. So please check out MakeHoneyGreatAgain.com. Promo code STRAIGHT. Now check this next video out that Florida Straits put together. Another example of the depravity in our school systems. So, first and foremost, what are my pronouns? 
so they all know my pronouns it's they them it's quite simple and then um the next question was do y'all respect those pronouns yes. yes i feel like some people think that like for whatever reason some kids don't respect the pronouns and i'm like it's not y'all that don't respect the pronouns it's people on social media who like can't yeah. gather that you know what i mean so yeah. it's just weird to me that that's what people think so y'all respect the pronouns i don't ever really have issues with y'all not respecting my pronouns if you ever make a mistake what do i say that's it i just say teacher roby right like if you do i get mad at y'all or yell at y'all or be upset at y'all no. no it's just a, a quick fix so appreciate y'all that's pretty much it line up so happy national coming out day from your local or probably not so local queer teacher i have a sticker on my mug that says support queer kids which of course you can't read because I didn't put the flip filter on it. Um, and one of my kids commented today on how much they appreciated that. <laughs> and all of my rainbow on today. And I was like, well, it's National Coming Out Day. Like I had to be covered in rainbows. And they were like, oh my gosh. Um, so we talked about coming out and they asked if they could make me cookies. <laughs> it's very cute. So I love my 10th graders. And to anyone watching this, worried about or thinking about coming out, no matter where you are in your coming out journey, you are valid and loved and you will always have a place here. I am non-binary. I use they, them pronouns. For example, they are a great art teacher. They taught us how to draw stitch. Many of you already know that about me. Pronouns are super important for myself, for you. It's important that we get it right every single time. If you ever make a mistake, I'll just politely correct you. And you should also be making sure that you use those correct pronouns. Um, if you have questions about that, we can talk about it offline, all right? I am from Brooklyn, New York, originally. I graduated high school in 2012. I then moved to New Jersey for college, graduated college right over by Rutgers University uh, in Camden. After I graduated from Rutgers, I went on to pursue my master's degree in the art of education, which is why I'm qualified to be standing in front of you teaching you here today. This is my master's graduation. This is what I want for all of you, okay? And um, I graduated in 2021. I also uh, love my family. Raise your hand, show of hands. How many of you in here love your family, have your family, are there, and maybe made your own family, right? Good, hands down, everybody should have their hand up. You got here somehow, some way. All right, uh, so this is my immediate family. Um, I also have a dog, her name is Nala, she is my baby. Raise your hand if you have a pet. Raise your hand if you have a pet, raise your hand, cool. Turn and talk to the person next to you, what pet do you have, go. I heard a cat, I heard a dog. All right, bring it back in three. Bring it back in two. Bring it back in one, cool. As always disturbing, but as always, it keeps coming. Well, somebody who's on the forefront of this war who is going to try to stop the crazy indoctrination of our children and bring back our traditional values and Christianity into our school systems is one of my personal favorites, Michelle Mandarin, otherwise known as Mama Bear, who is running for superintendent of Pasco County. So, ladies and gentlemen, we had the opportunity to sit down and speak with Michelle and her story is inspirational, and she is an amazing woman, and I highly recommend that you look for her when you're looking for your next superintendent in Pasco County. Check it out. So, Michelle, thank you for coming on the show. How are you and everyone today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, so to start, can you uh, briefly introduce yourself and tell our listeners um, what inspired you to run for the position of superintendent in Pasco County Schools? I'm Michelle Mandarin, also known as Mama Bear by my friends and family. Uh, so I started going to school board meetings around 2021, the year 2021-22 school year, um, because the summer they were talking about, they were iffy on whether or not they were going to get masking back on the kids. And I was not pro-mask. I was more uh, allow the parents to decide. And I really wanted to know what was going on on the inside of the school board meeting. So I, I started streaming during the summer. And um, I didn't like what I what I heard. There were some parents that would come up during public comment, talk about these weird emails that they got through FOIA requests. And I was like, what's going on? So I turned over to my husband. I was like, we need to start going to school board meetings. So my first school board meeting was September uh, 7th of 2021. And uh, I got to meet a lot of parents there that were very concerned about the things that were happening. 
I had no clue that there were going to be these things happening in our schools because we're a very fairly conservative county. And so um, I joined this group called Pasco Watch. I am not an admin. I'm just a, a group member. And they shared a lot of information to me and my husband about what was going on in the schools, like programs that they were implementing, funding that we're receiving from certain groups like uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And uh, I decided to, uh, you know, be more active in my child's school county. And so I, I did more things, witnessed countless parents and staff members be stonewalled by the board. So I, it really, I was put in my heart to start running because I think we need more transparency and we need more connection to the community because that's how it should be. We should have more communication with community members and not ignore them and just sweep the problems under the rug. So that's why I'm passionate about I want more connection, more transparency. In, in recent years, though, there has been a growing concern amongst the conservatives and many independents, such as myself, um, about protecting parental rights in educations. How right. do you plan, as a superintendent of Pasco County Schools, to defend parental rights in the face of potential cultural conflicts that we see in our schools? Right. So when when it comes to at least Florida, we do have HB. 1557. So we have at least the groundwork done. Um, when it comes to parental rights, I think it's important as a superintendent and uh, to collaborate with the district and the school board members to actually listen to parents and actually investigate when issues do arise. That's the issue that we're having right now is that the school board does not really uh, listen to the parents. They don't actually investigate these issues um, they're thrown around the district. Play, they play telephone tag until they give up. It's a common uh, thing that I've noticed among parents around in the district. So as a superintendent, I want to make sure that people are held accountable for the things that happened in the schools, that we actually do investigate these issues instead of pretending that they're not there. Yeah. And, and that, that's a lot of it. It's dismissal, dismissal. They, nobody wants to pay any attention to the problem because they think if they just ignore it, it's going to go away. Well, they don't understand that we're not right. going away. <laughs> yes. Um, so what specific actions would you take to ensure that parents have that significant role that you were just speaking of in their children's educations? And how would you facilitate the open com communication between schools and parents? So I think one of the biggest issues that we're having is that parents don't understand the depth of the, the problems that we're having in our curriculum. We have a lot of curriculum and programs in our school, but mainly the ones that are uh, for the kids that are going to college. They don't understand the depth of the problems that we have with these curriculums. For instance, one of the hot, hot topics that are that's been brought up is that our Cambridge program, a, a program that's supposed to be really good and supposed to help kids be prepared for college, is actually partially uh, funded by the CCP. I had brought it up to the school board last year prior to the governor passing the, the bill that having universities um, not being able to be funded by the, by the CCP. I brought it up and they chose to ignore it, but... Um, they started bringing it up back now, now that <laughs> now that election season in, they're paying attention to it now. Um, so these programs, I, I looked up the syllabus from, from what I could see, they're teaching kids globalism. And that is a big issue. And I don't think the peer, parents understand the problem when it, when it comes to teaching these kids. Um, it's basically socialism in short term that they're, they're teaching kids socialism in school and I, one of the things that i want to do as a superintendent is to have town hall meetings and show parents what i can allow to show them because you can't do anything if they don't know you know i really want the power to be in the, the hands of the people and so what better way than having town hall meetings and actually showing the community what we're teaching these kids and I guarantee you, when they learn, they're not going to want it. No, no, none of them do. None of them do. Even even a lot yeah. of the uh, people that are on the far left, you know, when we sit down and actually can have a conversation, which is like one out of a thousand, but yeah. they're shocked. Some of the information that we, we provide to them, they're like, I never even knew that. Um, yeah. 
So with this increasing polarization that's happening in American society, how do you intend to ensure that Pasco County schools remain politically neutral and free from any indoctrination, whether it be from the far left or, or from any far faction? Right. So one of the greatest great things that DeSantis has passed this past August is he's replacing the SAT um, tests with classical education tests. But how are these students going to succeed passing these classical tests if there's no classical education? I've come to find that one of our schools, one of our charter schools, is a classical preparatory school, ranked number nine in the Tri-County area for the best high school, one of the number nine on the best high schools. So we only have one classical school. Why are why don't we have programs that teach these classical, um, you know, curriculum in all the schools? Class, we have to go back to the basics. And I don't think that's polarizing at all, to be honest. They like to make it polarized and say, oh, well, you know, classical education only focuses on, you know, white America. But that's not true. It teaches the where we come from, our roots, it, and its basics, math, English, literature, the things that made our country what it is. So I, I think that implementing classical education broadly throughout the county will will benefit us greatly. Good. Now, in this wacky world that we're in, we see a lot of the pushes for certain political ideologies and, and methodologies, such as the back in the masking days where the governor said, don't need the masks. And many school districts said, well, we're going to do it anyway, because we right. vouch for our political party. Uh, and now we're seeing a lot of that with the um, LGBTQ plus indoctrination groups within the schools, be it the clubs, be it the stickers, be it the overrepresentation, which is not a problem. But not right. allowing representation for folks that come from traditional families or perhaps from faith-based backgrounds, we believe that's exceptionally exclusive. So as a right. superintendent, how would you be able to create a truly inclusive environment that can avoid these pop culture pitfalls that are being that our children are being used as cannon fodder in the school system for an adult culture war? How would you put a stopgap to that and make it a truly inclusive system? Well, Personally, I believe that we need to go back to the roots of our nation. Uh, the way we can include everyone is figuring out how great this country is. Uh, I want to share the fact that I gained my citizenship uh, a year. It'll be a year next month. Um, awesome. It was a beautiful, you know, it was a beautiful moment for me. Um, I've been in this country my whole life, but I gained my citizenship just last month. And the test that you have to take is a civics test. But the way I am, I like to really dig deep and I would like to learn a lot more than, than I've been shown. And learning about our founding fathers and where our country truly comes from, it's not just about the Constitution. It's There's history behind the Constitution that they're not teaching kids anymore. If we really want to unify our country, we need to go back to the, the roots of our nation, the truth about where we actually come from. And I think it's a beautiful thing, you know, to learn about the Constitution, to truly, truly learn about the Constitution, because they don't, they don't teach the Constitution in the schools like they should. Um, they teach it for, what, like a week? Instead of, <laughs> it, it should take years for us to actually really learn the history of our, of our country. I think that's unifying. It's not divisive. It, that's how we can include everybody. Well, the story of the Constitution is an evolving document. It's an ever-evolving document to make sure that everything and everyone is included. And if there's anything that's not working, we've always taken the measures to make those amendments and ratifications to make it work. Uh, I right. think that's that's amazing. That's And congratulations on, on the American <laughs> yes. citizenship. Good for you. Uh, yeah. So with some of these issues that you were just mentioning, so many of the conservatives, independents, uh, were worried about critical race theory and other controversial right. ideologies being introduced into the school curricula. What are your views on this issue and, and how would you address those concerns from family and community members? So they like to say that they're not teaching critical race theory and they're only half right. The ideals of critical race theory are being taught in schools and they're being taught like under the radar. They're not there's no specific curriculum teaching critical race theory, but they sweep it in secretly using things like social emotional learning, believe it or not. 
Do you know anything about social emotional learning? Yes, yes, but but please so, give us give us some examples of from what you've seen in, so, in your district. So I think social emotional learning is probably one of the most dangerous things that we have in our schools. It's supposed to be like a positive thing to teach kids how to regulate their emotions. But when I requested the guidelines for social emotional learning, I was given a document that had little steps. And one of the steps said, name stereotyping and um, prejudice. Uh, name your gender identity and what race you are. What what are what does that have anything to do with regulating your emotions? It has nothing to do with regulating your emotions. They're trying to s- sneak in critical race theory into the schools. I, I don't care what you call it; it's critical race theory. And um, in the beginning, when I first started going to school board meetings, there was this thing that this program that they initiated for community engagement. Supposedly, it's called the New Teacher Project or TNTP. They're highly funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, by the Zuckerberg Foundation, all the foundations that you want nothing to do, you know, in the schools. And um, they also created a equity uh, task force. Of course, they changed the name so that they were not covered under the Sunshine Law. Well, I found the application for it, and it requested people to be uh, have, um, what's it called? experience in racial consciousness all all the words that you can think of social justice you know like what why would you have a task force like that unless you are trying to sneak in critical race theory it, they they do have it in schools i'm not gonna say it, it's in all schools but they do definitely have it in and if they tell you they're they don't you're they're mistaken so if you were elected as superintendent and you caught wind of, let's say, some of these rogue teachers that are bringing these subjects and stuff into the schools that have been prohibited, uh, be it critical race theory or something off of a uh, violation of House Bill 1557 or the expansion right. of House Bill 1069, what would you do as a superintendent to address that issues with those specific teachers or uh, rogue schools specifically? Well, thankfully, it's covered under the law. Critical race theory is illegal. So what else would you do to an employee that is doing a crime? You get rid of them. <laughs> so, and you replace them with someone that would actually teach the, you know, what they're supposed to be teaching. Um, critical race theory being taught in schools is a crime. So I would treat it as such. And then um, let, let's touch a little bit. Um, um, so we do focus a lot on the um, the rainbow indoctrination in the in the classrooms as well. So we've heard a lot of reports of students from Pasco County, um, also down here in Charlotte County, to where obviously the House bills put that in a place where you can't use that as part of your teaching curricula. However, teachers are using certain strategies to make sure that it's right. there anyway. Perfect example, history teacher in here in Charlotte County had children draw their favorite flags. Of course, there was two flags that she chose that she wanted to display in her classroom because it was children's work. It was allowed to be right. in the classroom. Likewise, you have those extracurricular clubs that decorate the school's with the CRT and with the LGBTQ plus agenda. And it's allowed because it's an extracurricular club. So as superintendent, how would you address those issues? So that way we could create an environment that's not creating division because these things ultimately end up creating more division than what they're designed or alleged to be there for. That is true. Um, That is a very touchy subject because like, when it comes to extracurricular activities, I have to look at the bylaws. Um, I know there are some states that had clubs that, you know, like that were satanic. Um, I, w- I, I honestly would have to look at the bylaws to make sure what I could do legally. Um, I don't condone those kinds of things. I think requesting your favorite flag, I don't understand what that, what kind of lesson that's supposed to be teaching. I, I, I I don't, I don't condone it. <laughs> so I don't think I any of us do. <laughs> That's nothing to right? do with math, science, reading. It's not going to help you advance in a career. It's, it's strict, strictly just a, a yeah. social construct. And I think, yeah, I, so I hope you believe the same. Actually, oh yes. Yeah. When it comes to actually teaching the children that, that I do not allow that, that is not, should not be allowed. It's divisive. Just like you said, um, not only that, um, I don't even know. I can't. I'm speechless with with that kind of what kind of thing. It shouldn't be allowed in in the classroom. Well, I, I feel like we should we should go back to the basics: math, English, literature, science, um, and stop 
trying to impose these kind of opinions. I don't know if you've ever heard of back in the 70s, they had something called values clarification. It was a way for teachers to gain um, some sort of information data from their children, from the kids, from the students to see where they stand in in their values. That should not be allowed, period. And I think it's the same thing. They just changed the name of it. You know what I mean? Should be non-biased educators, just like judges, just like police officers, just like any other public servant. Keep your opinions at the door. And come on right. in and let's do our job. Uh, we, we've yes. been advocating to have some of these divisive stickers taken down. And instead, here's a weird concept. What about a neutral zone? No politics, no religion, none of that. We're here to yes. care about you and educate you. Keep all the rest yes. of the stuff at home. Right. That's exactly. That's what I mean by going back to the basics. Um, really learning about our country because that's the most unifying thing is our, is our history. Um, and I know they've been lying about the history of our country, which is very, very sad. Um, we need to go back to t- uplifting our country and uplifting our, our history instead of making up these insane lies about our founding fathers. It's, it's really disappointing, especially someone who gained citizenship here. And I truly love this country. Um, I, I literally swore an oath to the Constitution to gain my citizenship because I, I love this country and I don't want to see it go down. I really don't. No, we're following some very similar paths of some dictatorships uh, throughout our human history. And it's, it's, there's some terrifying similarities that we're seeing. So let's assume um, parents not comfortable in the school that they're at. Florida is known for its school of choice programs. What is your position on school of choice and how do you see it benefiting the students and parents of Pasco County? Well, I definitely am a believer of school choice, but I also want to attempt to raise the um, raise the quality of education in all schools, if possible. Because I don't understand how one side of the county should have better schools than the other. Um, one of the things the districts does is they, they ignore the schools that are suffering. They ignore the schools that are crying out for help. So. As a superintendent, I, I am going to implement a sort of strategy so that we can raise up all the schools if possible. Um, and I want to include that in my town hall meetings with the community. I really want to feel out what, what the, each community wants because every community is going to be different for sure. But the quality of education should not be different uh, in, you know, based off the location of the school. And um, what are some specific policy changes that you would like to implement or improve the quality um, for Pasco County? Um, so there is a civility policy that was strung up um, by the superintendent, and it was put up based off of uh, uh, community members coming to the school board meeting. Um, I want to... Um, put it to the front of the, the school board to make it more beneficial to the community. Um, I also want to implement public comment to be um, streamed. It's currently not streamed. We have public comment during the school board meeting, but at the end when public comment for, for individuals that want to speak on issues that they're having, I want to stream that because they, <laughs> they don't stream it on, for, for a reason. There are many, many community members that come forward and nobody hears them because it's not being streamed. We even have our district gets up and leaves during public comment. I want to change that. They have the right to be heard. Right. So that's one of the, that's one of the policies I want to change. Um, I'm currently reading through all the bylaws and through all the policies. I'm not done yet. So um, there are a couple of things that I want to change. Um, but I haven't finished reading through them all. Um, I also want to make take uh, give note that I've been to the Hernando County School Board meetings, and they pray before their school board meetings. We do not. So I want to feel out the community and see what they think about that, and possibly make an initiative so that we do pray before school board meetings. Oh, that would be a beautiful thing. Uh, I wish they did that yeah. down here in my county. They yeah. do pray. They don't just don't pray out loud. They pray that I don't speak. 
<laughs> general prayer. yeah we have we have a moment of silence but i i was i was in awe when i went to the hernando school board meeting and they prayed i was like wow they could do that that's that's pretty amazing that is so uh that would be great if we could do that too yeah and if we could just celebrate everybody for being an american and not have to subcategorize right. everybody into different into the different little groups that are liked right. by some and not by others why can't we all just celebrate being Americans. I mean, somebody just like you who just got mm-hmm. your citizenship, you're on a high horse, like a seat of smile. I mean, you're yeah. proud of that. I mean, that, that yeah. should be something that every single one of us can equally share together. And that should be something that is unifying. And yeah. God bless you for, for, for everything that you've, you've said. So could you share some personal experiences or values that have driven you to become the conservative candidate and seek the position of superintendent? Yeah, so like I said, um, I love this country. I the process of becoming a citizenship. I cried like a baby when I got gained my citizenship. Um, the judge that initiated our ceremony made a had a beautiful speech. I wish I could have recorded it. It was a beautiful moment talking about it's our, our responsibility as citizens to make sure our country goes in the right direction. And they even give us a little pamphlet about how you can get involved, how you how you should vote, or not how you should vote, but the, how you should vote, and or even run for office. So uh, I thought it was a, a great uh, thing that they they kind of uplift the the American dream when you become a citizen. And I, I feel like it's not the fault of the 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 people that are coming out and saying that they, this country is not great. It's never been great because they haven't been told the truth. I feel like it's time that we share. And it starts with the youth. It starts with the schools really show the youth where they come from. I don't know if you ever heard of, um, there's this class that I'm taking. It's called the biblical citizenship class. It's, it's about the history of our, of our constitution and the biblical foundations that it comes from and i'm not saying that we should put the bible back in school yet (laughs) because that's where where we came from uh we used to learn through through the bible and i know that's a very divisive thing but it's where our constitution comes from we we were created our creator you know made us all equal and that's something that we are not teaching in schools we're not teaching the kids the history of our country and, and where we come from. And, and one of the things our founding fathers had stated is that, you know, the, the human heart can be corrupted. And I think that's a lot what we've seen a lot in our government. Um, and that's what they were trying to prevent. So I think we should teach kids, our students, the truth of where, where our country comes from and where we're built, what we're built on. So I don't know. I, and another thing is like, I have a, a, I have a sense of justice um, that God has placed in my heart. And I couldn't stand seeing these parents come forward to the school board meetings and these staff members pleading for help just to be ignored. That's, that's the main reason that I, I want to run. I want to be the kind of person, the kind of superintendent that can actually interact with the community and, and be a lending ear and actually create solutions for these problems and to be a human, not just a figure. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I just want to, to um, make the statement that I am not a politician. I've never been in politics, but unfortunately that's, this is, that's life policy. Politics is policy and policy is life. And that's one of the things we don't realize as, as citizens is that it's our duty to make sure that these policies that are being implemented in our community, in our local government, that it's our responsibility to make sure that they're for the people. So, so since coming out running for superintendent, being an outspoken conservative and Christian, have you been doxxed yet? No, I haven't. I'm <laughs> waiting for something. <laughs> now, be careful. The party uh, of love and tolerance is neither loving nor tolerant so <laughs> but yeah, I, you, you've definitely got 100 percent of our support uh we do have a few minutes left and i wanted to give you the opportunity to let people know how they can find you uh your website social media links give us all the information on how everybody can get behind you and support you 
So my website is michellemandarin.com. Pretty fairly simple. Um, my social media is um, Mama Bear Mandarin is my Instagram uh, or Michelle Mandarin for Superintendent of Schools on Facebook. Um, my website has the links to all of my social media, so you can find me. I'm on uh, X, you know, Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, I even have a my email, which is Mama Bear Mandarin at gmail.com. I've had fair, like a lot of people reach out to me so far, which I'm very surprised. <laughs> um, but, we want you know, leaders. I, we want yes. conservative leaders with traditional values, with faith-based values, and we don't want politicians. Yes. We want and folks just like thing, you. <laughs> another thing is I, I, I will say that I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of anybody intimidating me. I've had an individual intimidate me but I know I'm, I'm protected. So if anybody has any issues in the schools that they want uncovered, that they want a voice, to, you know, for me to be a voice for them, I will do it. I don't care. I, I believe in, you know, being the voice for the people. And if you feel like you can't come out because you feel that someone will intimidate you, I'll do it for you. I, I'll be there. I'll be the person for it to be your voice. Cause that's a lot of the things I've noticed when it comes to the school board meetings. I don't know if you know, uh, there's an individual running for school board and his name is Sean Haston. And he uh, stepped forward because there was a mural on the wall, wall of one of the schools that he was, his kid was going to go into. And it was this girl with a gas mask. It was very, very, a very dark mural. And he just wanted to know why it was there. So they, he did a tour and within the next few days, they called his job to get him fired. So he was on Tucker. I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> no, I've seen that. I also am one of the victims. I got fired after a school board beach, uh, speech. I did a three-minute speech at a school board um, asking for true equality. And uh, within 24 hours, I got canned too. So yeah, the woke mob does come out in force sometimes. So, yeah, so you've got, you've got I, God on your side for sure. Uh, we've only got about one minute left. So uh, Michelle, yeah. I wanted to thank you very, very much for coming on and speaking with us and, and helping, you know, change America for the better or save America, so to speak. Yes, uh, But thank you so much for, for joining us. Well, that about wraps it up for us this evening. Once again, if you've been watching our podcast, whether it's today or if you've been watching for the past couple episodes, I sincerely want to thank you for being a part of this journey with me. It is absolutely imperative that we get all this information out. Already, we've already gotten a huge response. And of course, we've been shadow banned on everything in pretty quick time. We might even be InfoWars on how we've been banned. So please share, like, subscribe, do all of those wonderful things and help us get this word out. Once again, thank you for joining us on Straight Talk and we'll see you next week.